This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Dan Clark talks films on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Dan Clark Talks Films. This is a brand new show in which I will be discussing, you guessed it, films with numerous guests. Over the weeks we'll be talking to filmmakers, directors, screenwriters, actors, composers, on-set caterers, you name it, anyone involved in film, we want to talk to them. Uh, Today we are very privileged to have uh, Chris Hewitt from Empire Magazine to discuss the latest news and pick of the week films. And comedian turned filmmaker Brett Goldstein is in to talk about his film and uh, the films that have inspired him and uh, we'll do a little section every week where we discuss uh, somebody's guilty pleasure where they get to justify whether it's a underrated classic or just downright bad um so to kick off the show we'll do this every week as well we'll be asking our guests to select some songs or a piece of score from a film that they particularly like and uh, my uh, choice is uh this is to start the show. This is to send out my deepest condolences to Sly Stallone, who, uh, despite being the favourite, did not win an Oscar at this year's Academy Awards on Sunday. This song needs no introduction. It's this little beauty. Have it. That was Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. I mean, what a beast of a song. There's, uh, have you, you, I take it you've seen While We're Young, the Noah Baumbach film. There's a, uh, there's a brilliant moment in there where Ben Stiller actually, uh, he's, he's with um, Adam Driver's character. Mm. And Adam Driver, the, we have with us, by the way, in the studio with us, Chris. I'm already talking to him <laughs> before I've introduced him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Hewitt from uh, 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 Empire Magazine. Um, the bit, do, you, do you remember the bit where uh, Adam Driver, he, um, he puts, uh, he's, he's geeing him up for an interview and he puts mm-hmm. the headphones on and... It's a, it's a cheer up song, isn't it? Yeah, and it's he says, I remember feel. when this song was bad. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the irony has now been completely lost and people just outright love it, <laughs> as do I. So, Chris Hewitt, uh, thanks for coming in again. Um, Not a problem. Sliced alone. Mm. Now, when we spoke last, you actually predicted that he might be nominated for yeah. certain awards for this film. This was yeah. before there was any awards buzz. Like, how did you, how did you foresee that? Uh, I'm a soothsayer. Yeah, uh, am I am I the Nostradamus of film? That's for other people to say, but maybe. Uh, but having said that, had I taken my my paltry life savings four pounds seventy three down to the local bookmakers and, and put it on Sly Stallone yeah. to win Best Supporting Actor, I would have lost four pounds seventy three. Yeah, so, so probably a good thing you yeah. didn't waste all that money. Yeah, but did you? Like, I think you hadn't even seen the film yet, I hadn't and seen yet the you film. were still you still had this weird I feeling had a feeling in my water because there was something about it. Why? Why is? How did it go from him being just some sort sort of well a bit of a joke to everyone mm-hmm. going oh he's always been great we all love him we've always had a lot of respect for him like <laughs> just this sudden term which by the way i've yeah. always loved him i've loved sly, you know yeah. I, I grew up watching his films and yeah. i think he's a good actor yeah I, I grew up with sly as well not literally in his yeah. house but i wasn't raised by yeah. sly i would have loved to have been that raised that by awesome. sly yeah <laughs> i want to i want to read that book <laughs> like being raised by wolves yeah. can you imagine yeah. um but yeah i, I love sly stallone's films growing up yeah, rocky the rambos tango and cash uh, yeah, I even have a soft spot 
for lockup, um, I won't uh, defend Stop or my mom will shoot, uh, but yeah, yeah. who would? Over the top, would you? Where'd you put that in his camera? I would. I would put it. it it's definitely a film that he made. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know there's a lot, a lot of love for that film. Our editor at Empire, Terry White, absolutely adores it. And uh, for our Christmas party, thankfully I was away. For our Christmas party, she um, not made everyone watch Over the Top on the Office TV, but certainly there was a, a mandate <laughs> that was there, an unspoken mandate to watch Over the Top. Um, With the one before Robert, Robert Loggia, Loggia. Uh, yeah, the, the the late great. Uh, why I say uh, Loggia? Loggia, but uh, yeah. Loggia. Robert Loggia, yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic actor. Stallone is is brilliant, um, but uh, he has made. Uh, and I think he'd be the first to say it a lot of bad movies yeah. uh, and even recently this sort of action re- renaissance he's had with the Expendables movies which which are okay they're not, yeah, they're they're not, not amazing bad. but he's made a lot of bad films in that time since Bullet to the Head for example yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't great but there was something about this character and this actor reuniting with this character and the vitality of the, the director Ryan Coogler mm-hmm. who made Fruitvale Station I just had a feeling that it was going to make a bit of a splash. And it didn't make as big a splash uh, Oscars-wise as I was hoping. I think it's a fantastic film. So far, my second favourite of uh, 2016. Wow. Um, just That's behind The Hateful Eight. But uh, I, I absolutely adore Creed. Yeah. Um, and I love what, what Stallone has done with that character. It's, it's a very rare thing uh, for a, an actor to stick with a character over... Such Ten years, never yeah. mind forty years. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty astonishing. Rocky Four is still the greatest cinematic experience I've ever had in my life. Uh, really, I think I was I probably would have been about eleven mm-hmm. at the Beckenham ABC. Uh, it would have been a daytime uh, screening, <laughs> and I'm not joking. Everyone in the cinema at the end was on their feet cheering, Rocky, Rocky. Wow, that's something that. Unfortunately, adults don't tend to do. No, we, yeah, we yeah. don't. No, we don't tend to do that. That's yeah. a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah, Rocky Four is amazing. How can you argue with a robot yeah. butler? <laughs> and I also, uh, I also felt kind of sad when Copland didn't reinvent his career at the time. Cause yeah, I thought he was brilliant in that as well. You know, he's he's a very good actor. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing that surprises a lot of people about Stallone, and because he's gone down the action route in in, in, you know, in recent years, and of course the eighties and nineties. The full extent of his range, which may be slightly limited, but he is a very, very good actor. Mm. If you look at you know Rocky, that is a completely different character. If you mm. meet Stallone in the flesh, he's well spoken, he's well first mm. in arts and culture. He's completely not Rocky Balboa. He may have been once in his life, but this is the yeah. guy who wrote Rocky. It's not like he's lacking in the smarts department. Uh, so, for him to revisit this character every year, uh, oh, sorry, every for him year. to you know, every every Rocky, decade or so, Rocky every year, Rocky, yeah, Rocky seventy, uh, <laughs> Rocky seventy eight, for him to revisit this character so often and find new notes to play, uh, yeah. which is one of the things I was I thought was really interesting about Creed. There was a side of Rocky, a sort of vulnerable side that yeah, we yeah. really hadn't seen as he uh, as the old man with cancer, side yeah. As well. yeah, yeah, the old frail guy. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really really moving. And in a way, I guess there was a time where sequels were seen as uh, not necessarily a credible thing. Mm. But actually, why can't someone who's a celebrated actor in a TV show that's run for you know years and years playing the same character? If they can win awards, why you know why couldn't someone who's done what is it the sixth or the fifth sequel? The, well, sixth, I guess. Yeah, you, yeah Rocky Seven really is is, yeah. is is what Creed is. Creed One and Rocky Seven. That's what you want to um, look at it in those terms. 
So, uh, what, how did you feel about the Oscars? I uh, with the spotlight. Do you feel that was a um, justified winner? I think I think spotlight was a, was a fine winner. I think uh, in years to come, when you look back on the Oscars, uh, occasionally you can look at some of the best picture winners and go, "What? Yeah, what what happened there?" Uh, Crash, for example, mm-hmm. winning uh, over Bra- Brokeback Mountain wasn't uh, one of the Oscars' uh, finest hours. Um, but I think this is fine. I think Spotlight is a is a is a very very good movie. Uh, very well acted. Very well directed. Uh, uh, an important tale to tell. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any embarrassment looking back in years to come. Uh, I like The Revenant, but I didn't love The Revenant. Mm. I'm, I'm not on board with the uh, it's a masterpiece uh, argument. Yeah, I, uh, I, so I, I had this weird feeling watching The Revenant where it was like, what, everything about this film is amazing. Why do I not really care? Like there was yeah. something just kind of missing for... Maybe it was because... Tom Hardy delivered the exposition at the beginning in an inaudible way that <laughs> I didn't understand what any of these people were doing in this forest in the first place. Yeah. But this, it was almost like, and this is a ridiculous thing to say because the movie's made tons of money, it's won loads of awards, I don't think any of them are worried, but I felt sorry for them because <laughs> from my <laughs> point of view, it was like, wow, the effort they've put into this, yes. and yet it's not doing it for me. And I'm yeah. sure they, they they don't even know that I have even seen the movie. So um, yeah, no, but, absolutely. I do yeah. wonder how much of that is uh, is slightly overemphasized the uh, the the hardships they went through. Yeah, I, I do wonder if out of shot, just out of shot, while Leo's in a in a in a pond freezing yeah. his bits off, just out of shot, there's a lovely warm trailer. <laughs> but, yeah. but I imagine it was pretty hard to drive trailers up the up the mountain they uh, when they were filming. But they should have just called it the worst day ever. They should have done. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it's it's a very very good film. I was I was. Uh, if go back to Stallone. I was I was annoyed about Stallone uh, not winning Best Supporting Actor because I think he deserved it. I think he was yeah. uh, fantastic in Creed, but I wasn't half as annoyed as his brother was on Twitter. Frank uh, Stallone yes. had a meltdown to end all meltdowns, which he has since apologised for. But and was, not only has he apologised, but he kept referring to uh, Mark Rylance as Michael Rylance in his uh, in his apology. <laughs> and, uh, and Mark, who <laughs> one of the world's most celebrated actors, he's very very good in Bridge of Spies. He and, is good, uh, yeah. but it's. It's quite a subtle performance. It's not one that I would have thought um, of, considering I've seen a lot of his uh, stage performances, you wouldn't have Mm. thought that would be the performance that wins him an Oscar. It's quite, you know, a muted, I thought. He's uh, very good. He's good. It's a very, very good supporting performance, which I guess is <laughs> meets the criteria for uh, for winning the best supporting actor Oscar. Uh, he definitely, you know, allows Tom Hanks to be mm. as good as Tom Hanks is in that film. Tom Hanks strangely not nominated either. Uh, he's very, very good. You're right. It, he's it's a very, very subtle performance. So lots of um, lots of sly remarks and sly remarks, sly remarks, <laughs> and uh, lots of. Uh, Rye glances, Mark Rye glance, more than, than Mark Rye glance. But it's uh, it's a very very good performance. But I would have gone for Stallone. Do you feel like the uh, the films that are being nominated these days they're they're not like what Oscar films used to be typically? They're kind of either fall. I guess it's kind of what's happened to the film industry is that they either fall into these really tiny indie films like mm-hmm. Room and Spotlight to an extent, mm-hmm. um, or like films like Mad Max, uh, mm-hmm. which are kind of in a way, popcorn movies. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have the kind of um, the English patience and dances with wolves uh, that that used to be the Oscar I, classic I th- for I years and years. Do. I think we still do. Uh, I just think it seems to be harder to make pure Oscar bait than it was yeah. in the past. Having said that, The Danish Girl, 
Yeah. It's a movie, in my opinion, that is made for one reason and one reason only, and that's to win Oscars. And it did for Alicia Vikander, who's very, very good in the film. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, this is not a film we're going to be talking about with any great reverence or love uh, mm-hmm. in a year's time, never mind five years' time or ten years' time, uh, because it's one of those movies. I, I do often wonder what happens to films like that when the, the Oscars are over and they haven't really won. They haven't made the impact on yeah. the Oscars that they were designed to do. Do they go to a retirement home for... <laughs> For non, Oscar bait, you know, <laughs> Oscar winning yeah, movies, just wander around yeah. with other movies of that ilk. Um, you, you like feel the reader, like very few people will watch it. If, do you feel like it would have changed though if that film had won the Oscar? Uh, I think hopefully that uh, the Academy uh, are getting savvier about films that, that seem to be made quite cynically. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, this year's nominations, I thought, were very refreshing. Um, for the most part, The Big Short, which is a, a yeah, quite a funky yeah. rock and roll film, a lot to say, and a very interesting attitude, a bit like The Wolf of Wall Street a few years ago, um, that was nominated Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody thought that this movie would be uh, one of the front runners for Oscars. It ended up on the night with the, the biggest haul of any, uh, any films. Uh, and, and we were hoping at one point that maybe the fact it was winning lots, lots of technical awards might mean that George Miller was going to... Yeah. Win Best Director because his his um, his his performance, his job directing that film was just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal mm. for a seventy year old man to marshal yeah, that much insane. destruction. Wow! I think it, uh, I was a bit gutted it didn't win uh, Best Screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Exterior yeah. Desert Day. Um, and whilst we're talking about Max, we can't not discuss the Jenny Bevan thing. The, mm-hmm. uh, the, the someone had uh, posted the. Uh, the the clip of her walking up to the stage and uh, apparently lots of people just not clapping, which I can't help but think, has this been slightly taken out of context? It feels that way. If you watch the full clip, uh, so uh, Jenny Beaven wins uh, for Best Costume Design. She walks, it's quite a long walk from where she was sitting to the the stage and as she does, so she walks past a lot of Luminaries who sat close to the stage, presumably because people thought they would win and they yeah. were right, like Alejandro Giannirito and Tom McCarthy, who of mm-hmm. course won uh, Best Film for Spotlight. And as she walks past them, initially they're not clapping. Yeah. And then as, she, as she gets closer to the stage, they do clap. Now you could you could look at this in two ways. One, they realise the camera's on them, so they start clapping. Two, maybe they're slightly missed because maybe she won the category that their films were up against, you know, so, yeah, yeah. or also uh, up for. So maybe they're going, well, I, I, we should have won. So solidarity with our with our uh, crew members. Um, I think it's mainly a case that it uh, it was a long walk to the stage. Yeah, and you know what things are like. You know, at, at, at ceremonies like this, at things like this, you, when, mean, whenever someone gets announced, you applaud. Then you get sick of applauding because it's you know they yeah. haven't they haven't appeared. You stop applauding. And then they appear again. You go, oh, well, now I have to applaud them up the stage. I've actually been to award ceremonies where uh, my hands start hurting from clapping so much that you just, you know, you're not going to clap for the entire length of somebody's walk every single time. But I I, I don't think it's as sinister as everyone made out. No, I don't. There are some some, uh, sour faces, but I think once they they see her and they, they start smiling and applauding and everything's yeah. everything's happy everyone's friends again it's all good and I love that she just doesn't doesn't give a shit about the whole <laughs> dressing up properly although some people thought that that was why they were looking at her in such disdain <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean how dare how she turn dare up you? to the Oscars in a leather jacket what <laughs> is going on a rump can I get a rump yeah. from that guy 
Um, so, uh, what films do we have coming out this week? Uh, this week we have uh, the two films really that are uh, worthy of discussion. <laughs> One is London Has Fallen, uh, which is the sequel to Olympus Has Fallen, which was the best of the Die Hard ripoffs that came out a couple of years ago, along yeah. with uh, White House Down. Both were about. Uh, basically Die Hard in the White House. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a Die Hard movie that year, A Good Day to Die Hard, but we don't talk about that. Um, and this was a Jerry Butler in the White House playing a... Uh, Did you call a, him Jerry Butler? Jerry Butler, yeah. yeah nice. Jerry Butler uh, playing an American uh, Secret Service agent who presumably has spent a lot of his life in Scotland uh, <laughs> called Mike Banning, uh, the new John McClane, uh, and terrorists uh, took over the White House and Mike Banning was having none of it none of it uh, he, he got very stabby he got very sweary it was quite a brutal film he drank uh, a lot of iron he drank brew. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, before a fight absolutely it was uh, it was it was it was, uh, it was a lot of fun it was uh, you know on pretty much every single level not a very good film but it had a, a, a certain exuberance uh, Jerry B, I'm going to call him something different every time I talk about him. Uh, was was great fun in the in the uh, in the in the role of Mike Banning, and so now he's back in the role of Mike Banning. Mike you know Banning, that classic role that so many actors have taken who on. Who can forget Mike Banning? Uh, this is the second installment in the Mike Banning cinematic universe, yeah. and I'm very excited about it. So, uh, um, although uh, Empire Magazine, my my publication, gave it two stars. But is that not something you uh, concur with? I haven't seen it yet. Though. Oh, I, right. I will be okay. completely honest. Uh, I'm seeing it on Thursday when it opens in cinemas. Uh, I will be there with my with my ten pounds. Yeah, yeah. I hope the tickets cost ten pounds. Yeah, yeah, um, I think you might need to borrow a five from someone. This one because I put four pounds seventy three on slide to win best yeah. supporting actor. I've lost it. Yeah. so I've only got ten pounds well, no, left. Got a couple, you've got some some coins, I think. So it was four pounds something. Wasn't it was it? four pounds something. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I might be all right. I might yeah. be okay. But uh, I'm really I'm, I'm looking forward to this because um, it is uh, hopefully going to be as ludicrous and preposterous and uh, filled with bad CG as the first one was. Didn't it get pushed back? Or it sort of feels like it's kind of just sort of fallen out here. It feels like it maybe has slightly missed the moment that uh, shortly after Olympus Has Fallen came out and was a surprise hit uh, around the world, especially in the States. And there was just, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, but there was Mike Banning fever. Do you remember that? Yeah, you know, for, I remember for JB about two fever. weeks after yeah. that film came yeah. out, there was yeah. a Mike Banning day yeah. and everybody went around wearing Mike Banning masks. Uh, People, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was huge. I mean, I, I think I was out of the country, but I remember reading all about it at the time, thinking, oh, I'm missing out on the JB. Do you not remember the, uh, yeah. from the, the, the International Space Station? They projected Mike Banning's face on the Great Wall of on, China. Yeah. It was, oh, it was such a great it was it was actually huge. So they, they, might, they might have missed a window of excitement about Mike Banning, but uh, I'm glad he's back and he's protecting London this time yeah. in case the title didn't you get say, away. You say protecting, but... Destroying. It, yeah, to me it feels like if he's around, something might fall. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But he, for, the, for the purposes of this actual storyline, he is protecting yeah. it. Yeah. He is protecting, yes. The, uh, his, his good buddy, the president, uh, played by Aaron Eckhart, uh, they come to uh, London for a state funeral along with all the world's leaders, uh, and they uh, realise far too late that they've stumbled into a trap led for them by uh, some nasty terrorists who want to destroy all the world's leaders and, indeed, uh, London. What's London ever done to them? Well, um, <laughs> Where do you begin? <laughs> Where do you begin? <laughs> Great. Well, um, uh, the, uh, and you say there's one other film this week that yes. uh, is worth mentioning. Yeah, it doesn't have Mike Bannon in it, though, no. but um, if you can get past that... I keep for some reason, even though I don't watch EastEnders, that Mike Banning is an EastEnders <laughs> character. Mike, I'm sure Mike, he... Mike, <laughs> <laughs> leave it. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, the Coen Brothers, Hell Caesar. Ah. 
Okay, uh, yeah. the long-awaited return of the Coen Brothers, uh, and this is a a fine effort from them. I would say maybe on the slightly disappointing end of the Coen Brothers spectrum, but having said that, it has three or four astonishing, soon-to-be classic scenes in it. Uh, so it's a quite convoluted enterprise. It's set in the 1950s in Hollywood. It's a movie about filmmaking. Uh, which can often put people off, but when mm-hmm. it's as sharply written, as sharply performed as this, uh, then you know, then, then uh, you know, do go, you go, you go past that. Um, it stars uh, all-star cast. So we have uh, Josh Brolin as a head of a, a studio in the 1950s, uh, who has a lot of problems in his hands. Uh, one of which is one of his leading men, uh, played by George Clooney, has been kidnapped by a a cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't go into it much more beyond that, but uh, he has to solve that problem while solving all sorts of other problems as well. Great cast, Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton, Channing Tatum doing a song and dance number in this as well. Perfect. Uh, just, uh, it's, uh, Ray Fiennes is in it as well. Just a really fun film that uh, at times can be a little self-involved, but then every now and again there's just an astonishing scene. There's a wonderful exchange between... Uh, Ray Fiennes and an actor called Alden Ehrenreich, uh, which is just, just hilarious. Uh, well, almost, you know, that old cliche, worth the price of admission alone. It's, oh, it's really well, good. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm a bit disappointed that you think it's a bit disappointing. Um, yeah, but well, yeah, we, well, Empire gave it four stars, and it is, uh, if you're a Coen Brothers fan as I am, you will find a lot to love about it. Um, it didn't do that well in the States. I think that there might be some, some parts of the film that are a little bit insular, little bit impenetrable mm-hmm. in the Coen uh, brothers way it's certainly not a classic it's certainly not as good as the last time they tackled Hollywood with Martin Fink yeah uh, and I don't think it's it's quite up there in the Coen brothers um, pantheon is, but is this more in the kind of uh, a screwball comedy the light I'm, the, weirdly I seem to be the only person in the world that liked intolerable cruelty no no you're not right? you're not okay. you're not um, it's it's in that that vein uh, it's probably you've, you've not told me who else though. You just no, no, no you're well, not. There's, no, no, no. There's, a, lot of, there's a, lot of people, a lot of people. A lot of people. Empire. Okay. We, we, we gave it five. Would you believe in Tolliver Cruel? I know people uh, hate yeah. that film, and and I just I think it's hilarious. It's got a lot of great stuff, yeah. especially towards the end, where it becomes really, really dark. And yeah. uh, hey, say, are you Wheezy Joe? Uh, you know, yeah, little yeah, things yeah. like that. It's uh, it's it's really funny. And some of the best character names ever put on screen. I think. Yeah. But um, Lit- yeah. does it feel more in that kind of tone, or is it? Yeah, it's very much. Uh, they've made four films of Clooney, and each one he's played a moron. Uh, yeah. This is not quite up there with Oh Brother Where Art Thou, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly in the same vein as Intolerable Cruelty uh, or Burn After Reading, a film I absolutely yeah. loved from a few years ago. But again, a, a film I know that a lot of people don't. I like. struggled with that one. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Burn After Reading. I, w- I would like to go back to it though, because I'm not sure. It was just, you know, when you see a film and everyone else loves it and you're like, nah, I just didn't. And you go back. Sometimes you get it a second time mm. round. Mm. But um, great. OK, well, thank you very much for coming and joining us, Chris. No um, we asked you to pick some songs. You probably don't remember this, but uh, <laughs> we did ask you to pick. And you picked three brilliant songs, two songs from John Landis films, which yeah. uh, for me immediately made me like you. <laughs> Even more, because I'm a huge John Landis fan. He's someone I always feel like, why hasn't he had that come comeback? Is he still blacklisted from Hollywood after all these years? I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, This is from The Blues Brothers, which is a film I feel like people have forgotten is actually a brilliant film because mm. everyone just thinks of cabaret acts now. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. They've sort of become something else. But yeah. uh, this is uh, uh, from The Blues Brothers, um, an absolutely brilliant song. Thanks for coming in, Chris. Thank you. One, two, 
Dan Clark Talks Films on FUBAR Radio. Brett Goldstein, hello. Hello. We have Brett Goldstein, who is a comedian. He is a actor. He is a chef. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, he's a Renaissance man. Yeah. Hey, Brett. How you doing? How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm asking the questions. Okay. <laughs> Brett. Um, Brett Goldstein. You have just released. Uh, when was it released? Like maybe a couple of weeks ago. You released your first feature film. Yeah, about three weeks ago. Three yeah. weeks ago, called Super Bob. Now you actually even managed to get this film into some cinemas, which. For a little independent film made on, I'm not sure how much money it was made on, but to get that in cinemas is pretty amazing. You must be very, very pleased. Thank you. Uh, It was very hard work. Did anyone ever actually um, say to you, the only way we can finance this film is if you put uh, Ryan Gosling in it? Yes. I mean... Uh, yes. Yeah, so so give, give us a bit of backstory on the film, oh, right. um, just so people know exactly. So, Sue Bob is a film that is about uh, the world's only superhero. You're and he, not talking to children, by the Super <laughs> Super Bob is a film. It is about. <laughs> I'm just getting back into that. It is into the selling mode. Yeah. A, hi. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super Bob. You're very proud of it. It's <laughs> a. Uh, <laughs> it's about the world's only superhero who lives in Peckham and. The film is set on his one day off, and mm-hmm. he's going on his first date in six years, and it's basically a romantic comedy okay. hidden in a superhero so, film. Um, and it's it started off as a short, right? Yeah. Was it always going to be a feature, and you tried a short? or No, the short we just did. So John, the director, John Drever, he called me up and said, do you want to come around? He had this idea, and he said, do you want to come around and be a superhero for the day? And I said, yes, please. And then I went to his office, and we just—he'd written this with a view to filming it, or just—he <laughs> just, like, put a cape on me, and I just ran around going, yeah. "Woo, great!" And then, and then he, went, he went, mm, "Maybe we should <laughs> do a short." <laughs> great, uh, but yeah, we, we didn't. We didn't it, that was it. It was just like, let's make this little thing. Yeah. But then after we made the little thing, and it went very well, and it was sort of got like a lot of interest from people, and then it was like, oh, maybe there's more in this. Okay. But it was never. There was no grand plan until we'd done the short. Yeah. And in my, if my memory serves me, you don't really do any superhero-y stuff in the short, do you? No, in the short, it's... Uh, it's mostly it's him interview, when he's yeah. on his... When it's he's his day off, day again, off but, kind of thing. But yeah. yeah, there's no bigger world stuff. So the short did really well. You got a bit of, you know, you got feedback and you thought, OK, right, there's maybe... Something we'll, we'll, there's, there's something in this, there's something in this. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe if we could get 30 million, we could do <laughs> yeah. a... Uh, and then, and then, twenty grand later. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to ask for on uh, Kickstarter, isn't yeah. it? Thirty million. All we need is thirty million in, in one week, and and there'll you be lots get of a rewards. free copy of the film. Yeah. I'll tweet you thank, uh, <laughs> thanks for one million, and, <laughs> and for three million, I'll I'll, I'll text you yeah. myself if you give me your number. This was a uh, crowdfunding website for oligogs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oligogs. <laughs> Slightly racist <laughs> Russian people. Yeah, yeah. Them fucking oligarchs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you uh, you you didn't do it on twenty grand though, right? No, it was I believe uh, under a million. Okay, half a million. Really? That's half a million. Three hundred thousand. You have no idea, do you? <laughs> it Did wasn't you? much, but yeah. it's but it's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. 
but you it's still like in a, in the world of independent cinema like three million is like an indie film or something yeah, yeah, isn't it so good. you know yeah you, and then we are, had a meeting at, at bad robot uh in in la jj abrams jj abrams company and we were talking to them about super bob and they said to us yeah they went yeah yeah we're we're making a low budget film ourselves and and we were like oh and he told us about it and he went so the budget is five million for the film and 50 million for marketing and we were like mm. wow okay that's and so and we were like we've got 20 grand for marketing <laughs> <laughs> and a tenner for the film yeah wow that's yeah so when you went into it were you writing it to uh with a view to go right okay this is definitely going to be low budget so we can't do this this or did you go let's write it as though we can get whatever we want yeah. and then that's a good Pair question. Back, and the truth is, actually, I think in the, I think we did, I did write it for what we wanted because there's a joke we've been making when we've done Q and A's where they say, "How do you do? How do you make a film on such a low budget superhero film?" And I always say, "Set it on his day off." <laughs> mm. But it wasn't that cynical because it, it do was you always, always do the laugh. Yeah, otherwise yeah. people don't know whether to laugh or not. <laughs> That's how I do all my yeah. stand up <laughs> after every joke. <laughs> Just cue it up. Uh, but they, uh, it, it was always about his day off, and we did. And actually, if you see the film, there is, you know, special effects. There are yeah. moments of which, by the way, look amazing. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, looks like a proper. Well, I don't is, think I think your average audience wouldn't watch that film and go, "Oh, this is a low budget movie." I think that's what's really frustrating yeah. is when we were going up against people. Is so, this film business is so about money, and often they look at when you're dealing with distributors and cinemas and stuff, they look at what your budget is before mm. they look at the film and you go, it doesn't look like a, it doesn't look or feel like a low budget film, so you need to watch this, but often they wouldn't. They wouldn't even look at it because they are oh, it's, it's below our, you know, minimum. Really? Yeah, it's really depressing. Wow. Thanks for bringing us down. So if anyone out there is thinking about getting into film, just bear in mind, it is depressing. <laughs> it's so depressing. <laughs> but it's it's true to say that actually getting money for a film is hard but probably getting it distributed and seen is even harder is near impossible yeah yeah and and it's amazing i mean look did you when you were making the film were you thinking look all, as long as i've just got a film i can show my mates it's all right anything no. anything more is a bonus or were you like we have to get this film released i mean what were your expectations of well i remember having a conversation with john the director john Dreaver, when uh, <laughs> when people haven't forgotten brett early <laughs> early doors and it was like because you know I'm cynical about the industry mm. quite rightly mm. and I know we're small so I was like when he was planning shots and storyboarding it was like he was making it for the cinema and I was like shouldn't we actually be making this for an iPhone 5 because that is ultimately where people are going to be watching it on the screen on the tube mm -hmm. and he was like no we're making it for the cinema and I was like that's great but that is also what's frustrating is you want people to see it on the big screen and I know the majority of people who watch Superb are going to watch it on DVD or on you know, BitTorrent or fuck, they just yeah. steal it off. You know, yeah, yeah. and you, but you want to aim high because otherwise, why are you making a film and not a yeah. sketch or a TV show or something? You know, it should should look it should Cinematic. be for the big screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't think that. I mean, people still watch. I don't know why we keep mentioning Transformers. It's very mm. weird, but people still watch those big budget films on phones as well. Yeah. I think the younger generation are used to seeing stuff even if it's like huge spectacle in just a small I mean yeah. we've got to remember that we used to well not you and me we're not this old <laughs> but people used to watch like Gone with the Wind yeah, on, we used to go every weekend on yeah. a date on a day day <laughs> <laughs> 
for or not maybe not gone with the wind but when TVs in the 50s came around they were tiny little things yeah. that barely worked and people watched big huge films that had been made for the decades before like I think people get accustomed to that I think that's way. why like I love the IMAX I'm, I like to see wherever I can see if it's at the IMAX mm. I'll go and mm. I do think you sort of want there's something like someone said to me that a friend of mine said should I watch Interstellar and they were going to watch it on their telly and I was like I don't know mm. it's a great film at the IMAX but it's a very different film on your yeah. on your laptop also the, the, the sound as well yeah yeah unless you've got some insane and the thing is the one thing that's great about the cinema that you don't get now in the light is well in theory you turn your phone off and you sit in the yeah. dark and you're actually locked into it but I know if I'm watching <laughs> that telly that, that <laughs> sounds less fun you're you locked a, into there it there are seatbelts yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what I've been saying saying a lot is that I worry that the age of Netflix and Amazon and iTunes and everything is that you'll start we're starting to treat films like you know Tinder you know yes. like next nah next watch five minutes you, watch five, text. you just even in the days which I don't want to go back to where you drove for half an hour to a video shop yeah, and rented one film and if you didn't take it back for 24 hours you got fined yeah. I mean can you imagine that but the way you your relationship with that film and sitting there and even if it's not the best film in the world you, you watch the whole yeah. thing and I love that about the cinema I love that there are films that maybe I would have not given a, a complete chance that isn't to say it made it a better film but I no, think the experience of it there's is definitely art house type films that are very slow and boring which I watch at the cinema and I go there's no way I'd have mm. got through this at home because yeah. I'd have at gone, home fuck this yeah <laughs> at the cinema I love this film but at yeah. home no yeah. chance yeah yeah at the cinema I'm an intellectual <laughs> yeah, at, home. at home I'm yeah I've got a very short attention span <laughs> and also like someone someone like sort of texted me a picture of Superbob the other day whilst mm. watching it like hey I'm watching your film and I thought don't fucking text me <laughs> yeah. watch the film <laughs> yeah. text me after you watch the film I'm texting you watching it yeah but yeah so has it gone how, how's it gone I mean how do you measure a film because it's been in how many cinemas not, I mean, it's been. Are you asking? Has the, I'll tell you the truth. We expected nothing. Yeah. And it's been much more successful than we were told. <laughs> uh, but are you? Is this a measurement of box office or reviews? How are you measuring review, its I'm, success? I'm measuring it. Well, we got two more weeks. We we originally had a weekend of a cinema release, mm. and in the end, we had two weeks. In various cinemas? It went yeah. the opposite way of a normal film, which was yeah. like, it sort of had word of mouth in that. Look, I can't tell you how many people told us to go fuck ourselves in the making of Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And at every stage, no one ever said, this is good. And then when it came out, we had such great reviews. It was shocking to us because everyone had told us it, it was shit. Mm. Or not shit, but everyone had no interest in it. And then it came out and the reviews were so good that we then got requests from cinemas going, oh, yeah, we want this film. And it's like, yeah, we've been telling you about this for ages. <laughs> and uh, so in that, in terms of the sort of critical reception of the film, was it unbelievable. So much better than we hoped. And we got more screens, and it's still playing in some places. Mm -hmm. and, and I know you don't. Like, you say you don't like reading reviews as a stand-up oh, comedian. Oh, I read all of the you read all the, yeah. yeah. Is it easier, do you think, because you're not then doing the show that night? You're not doing uh, Super Bowl that night and no. you've got a review in your head? Do you know what? Honestly, I didn't want... I was really scared about them. It was easier because they were good. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you you know, because like on day one, sort of John, John Dreaver, the director... Is <laughs> he, 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 he directed the film. He, he's just sort of sent me the first review and he said, you need to be reading these. 
and it was they were just like we we basically had one sort of terrible review and then all the other reviews have been four stars yeah. on average and lovely and you just go okay it's just a sort of vindication on some level because of how hard it was yeah, to get yeah. it and to get people to believe in it so for people to go oh this is actually good you go oh thank god otherwise this has been a waste of five years yeah yeah one of the things i noticed that people really responded to and it's certainly one of the things i really liked about it was that its tone it was very people call it sweet mm-hmm. a lot are you pleased with that or were you making a really dark movie yeah. angsty movie and you're like everyone's just totally got the wrong end of the stick here I don't get it <laughs> yeah. but is that was that yeah. always the intention yeah certainly and that's I think that a lot of that is to do with John Tadrino's <laughs> uh, he really wanted to make a nice film and, it, in, in, and, I, and I guess in a way that's another thing that's interesting where you I take it for granted because we've been making this for five years I hadn't really thought of it like that but in terms of, I guess that is what makes it stand out from any other mm. film is that most of those films are cynical or edgy. Well, certainly, or it's certainly superhero films now. Uh, it, it seems like if some if someone's saying the sentence, "Oh yeah, apparently the next one's even darker," yeah, is, yeah. that's meant to be like a good thing. Yeah, you know, and it's it seems to me like the idea of what darkness is is just become like doesn't mean anything really yeah. anymore. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, and all it takes is someone who's slightly conflicted with what they do. Yeah. That, that makes, oh man, it's so much deeper. It's like, well, because, you know, saving people all the time is a bit of a drag yeah. or something. But your thing was just, it wasn't cynical in that way and it wasn't, um, it wasn't trying to be something, something else. I think that, for me, I think that's when I observed how well it was doing. I think that was what people were reacting to. Yeah. Seems well, to me, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, uh, um, so we've got your uh, choice of songs coming up. We are going to play. You picked a couple of songs here, but this is the one I. Uh, Which did you choose? Well, I picked two of them. We're going to end with one of yours, but the first before mm. we go into the guilty pleasures. Yeah, I decided to pick the Nightmare Before Christmas, oh. one of the songs, because I actually went to see Tim Burton <sighs> live. With Danny Elfman singing? Um, not Tim Burton live. Danny that Elfman. would be... He was doing stand-up at the Edinburgh <laughs> Festival. He was brilliant. He was it brilliant. It was called oh. My Childhood Amongst Gothic Trees. Yeah. And um, it was, you know, mostly uh, silent. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw Danny Elfman live, yes, in Los Angeles last year. Did he sing? Um, he did all of his stuff. And then suddenly... Oh. I didn't know he sang. Yeah. Suddenly, out he pops. This kind of, like, pale, pale ginger guy... And has this most incredible voice. Love him. Yeah. So anyway, I thought I'd pick this because I really like this track as well. Um, this is Making Christmas from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Lovely stuff. <laughs> oh, that's really got me in the mood for Christmas. Are you a fan of Christmas, Brett? Love Christmas. Do you? Big fan. What do you love about it the most? That you can watch Muppet Christmas Carol without feeling guilty. Yeah. Because the rest of the year you think it's all right and you have to close the curtains, but in December you can go, it's on all day, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this leads us perfectly to the the last segment of the show, Mm. which is we'll be asking all our guests to present to us their guilty pleasure. Film-wise, not this is yeah, yeah. clean. Okay. This is a clean show, family <laughs> show. Um, the guilty pleasure, um, which in a way, I guess, I suppose the conclusion will be: is it a guilty pleasure or actually a well-crafted movie that people have misunderstood? That's yeah, because you know, or or is the one that you're about to present to us? You know, do you know it's a bit shit? <laughs> 
but love it or have you seen the one I'm about yeah. to present to right. you so first of all everyone uh, Brett um, his two that he said he, could, he said he could speak about two the first one was Annie the original mm. of the um, musicals uh, I I uh, I felt like that wasn't as much of a guilty pleasure as this okay. one, which is. Do you want to? Do you want to tell yeah, me? My guilty pleasure. <laughs> Say is, your name first. Hello, I'm Bre- I'm Brett Goldstein, <laughs> and uh, I love Grease too. There you go. You said it, and you know More what? Than the Grease one. It? What? Yeah, by a Serious. huge amount. Okay, so go. Why do you love it so much? Um, listen, I am willing. <laughs> I'm listening. To, I'm, with you. I'm willing to to add the caveat that I watched it a lot when I was young. So yeah. It's it always distorts, distorts something, but I have watched it again. It's not like I've got like I watched Breakfast Club recently. It does not hold up. Mm. Some of the most hateful characters you've ever seen. Yeah, in the, in the, you want to punch all of them and go. I, mm. I wish they'd set fire to the room you're in. You absolute fucking whiny pricks. Okay. But Grease Two, oh, wow, real an incredible. And incre- I mean, look, Grease One yeah. that everyone loves. I'd say is average. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not the extraordinary masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> that Grace do is, I mean, a, you've got Michelle Pfeiffer at her finest, mm. an absolute joy to mm. watch. <laughs> She's a lovely is singer. It's just about like it isn't just about crushes. Michelle Pfeiffer. No, no. okay. You've got uh, a lot of funny in it. You've got the T Bones. You've got the whoever the new T Birds are. Yeah, they're sort of funny and weird. Yeah. You've got some cracking songs, but you also have an incredibly weird storyline. Basically, the problem with Greece, a lot of people have, including I like, myself. Right, okay. I, was, I thought for a minute you were going, the problem with Greece, like, this is where it failed. Yeah, <laughs> is that Greece is about, what Greece 2 does is answer the, the feminist problems of Greece 1. Greece yeah. 1 is dress like a whore mm. if you want to keep your man. Yeah. And w- one question I've always had at the end of Greece 1 is, at the end of Greece 1, he arrives dressed like her like a jock he's dressed no, like a jock isn't he, he he wears like the red the red coat yeah the sort of geeky coat to go look hey i'll dress like a geek but she arrives dressed like a hooer and they look at each other and there is no discussion about oh well, why don't we yeah. go with your one yeah he just takes off his coat like hey yeah mm. let's stick with the the leather and i always thought hang on you both had a go mm. you haven't discussed this i mm. mean sure she does look better but i think uh, when it gets to like the 93 minute mark and um, we all as an audience know it's pretty much the end of the film yeah. and there's a big end song coming yeah. two characters sitting down and having a sort of discussion about uh, sexism <laughs> might not exactly be well well gr- what grease 2 does is, <laughs> is flip it and maxwell caulfield who is an incredibly weird actor and i yeah. love him <laughs> who by the way what else has he ever been in uh, he's been in empire records has he yeah okay and a lot of softcore uh, porn films. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just to help with that um, yeah. sexism message. <laughs> well, because in Greece too, is he British him, as well? In real, it's hard to know. <laughs> he's doing a very special voice. I don't know if it's an American pretending to be British or it is British. But he's like, I'm going to ride that bloody bike until it kills me. Wow. That's how he talks. I can't believe it. you can do an accent of an American doing yeah. an English. Well, or someone we think might Maybe. be. It's and a very he, specific. He has to change. Uh, I mean, the whole thing's quite odd because he wants to get Michelle Pfeiffer and who can blame him? Mm. But all she likes are bikers, mm. but people who are particularly good at stunts <laughs> on bikes. And so okay. he so learns. Um, Evil Knievel. She loves Evil Knievel, but yeah. he does not go to her high school. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> he buys a motorbike, rides it to bloody kills him, and then he learns to like do jumps. Yeah. And then one day they're all at the bowling alley, and then a man on a bike sort of 
revs it a lot and they'll go whoa there's a man with a bike in the revving. car park revving and they'll go to the car park and he starts jumping cars and shit and, and Michelle Fiber's like oh my god this is everything I've wanted but he wears a helmet you can't see his, his face and she's just falls in love with him and he rides around with her meanwhile she's having lunch with this boring British geek yeah. who's the same guy and he's teaching her about Shakespeare and maps and um, <clears throat> and then in the end it's quite Shakespearean this as yeah, well isn't it it's like but in, so in the end he oh, reveals himself yeah and, and she's not because and you're sort of always a bit worried at the end like she's going to go oh disappointing mm. you're the geeky guy who's been teaching me how to do Shakespeare homework yeah but she doesn't. She likes both. She likes him even more. She likes him even more for, for sort of tricking her. For, for, yeah. <laughs> and for learning how to be a stunt motorcyclist. Yeah. And for always kissing her with um, dark uh, motorcycle glasses yeah. on. Yeah. But on the other hand, much like it's the inverse of Greece. Yeah. You know, she gets this to remain a woman. She can be whatever she wants, but he has to change everything about himself to yeah. win her over, which shows you the reality. I also think it's a truthful thing about relationships is when people say I love you for who they are who you are they mean can you be someone completely different preferably a stunt biker yeah and if you pull that off then I'll be with you what one of the things I love most about your argument for um, Grease 2 being a, a good film mm. it seems to be nothing to do with songs Show tunes, set pieces, (laughs) all of that, uh, the fun. It's all about the deep-rooted message of uh, this film and its predecessor, which, um, you know, this is great. I like this. This is exactly the sort of thing we should have on this show. Um, My (laughs) problem with Grease 2, which I have to say this with the the caveat that I do actually like it. It's great. I've watched it many times. I actually watched it a few times as a kid, then hadn't seen it for years, Mm. and started to wonder if I'd imagined it. (laughs) So does Grease 2 actually exist? You know, I I thought I'd imagined a cartoon show of uh, Happy Days in Space, Mm. but it's real. I googled it recently. Wow. Oh, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that another that's a different thing. yeah that's a different show altogether that's um, about LSD that is um, but we should uh, we should play some of the songs from just the clips mm. from the uh, I wouldn't put you through playing all of the songs because my know. issue with Grease 2 was yeah. when you presented this to me as your guilty pleasure I was like wow like, because my crit- criticism for it is that I can't remember any of the songs. Like oh. you know the songs from Greece One. Cool but I Rider, feel like you remember Cool Rider, come on. I don't I didn't remember any of them until I watched Okay. But the, it all came back to you. It all it all came back to me, but I don't know if that means it's good. Mm. Like uh what are what are their songs? They'll come back to you. Oh, it must be brilliant. You know, like surely they should stay with you, shouldn't they? Or? Well I can't answer that because they've all stayed with me. Yeah, okay. Well <laughs> I look, could sing them all. Let's give everyone at home a, uh, a little snippet of some of the songs. Brett may sing along to this again. Now, this is the one I remember. So, what do you think? 
I mean, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I mean, if, if, it upset me that if, you faded it down. If people could see, if people at home could see how happy you are right now, <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. For the, for that alone, I'm going to let you have this, and it is a it's going to be an underrated classic rather than a guilty pleasure Thank because you. you just the joy on your face. I mean, they're, they're I, I think I, I'm not guilty about it. No, it's I just a pleasure. From the rooftops. Yeah. Yeah, well, our producer Natalie also feels like it's just a pleasure that shouldn't be excused. So um, we're going to let it just be a, a, a classic, Thank an underrated so much, clat- classic. Yeah. And uh, can I just say how nice it is having you on the show so for my first show? Yeah, um, it's really lovely to I think here. I'm falling in love with you even more than. <laughs> I think it's mutual. Okay, uh, on that note, we are going to end the show with Brett's second choice, uh, which is from. Why don't you tell us a bit about this song? Oh yeah, so this song is uh, from The End of Mermaids, which was a film I also enjoyed when I was young, although I haven't watched it again recently. I don't know if it was. Just would before hold up. you go into this, just because other, I should do this at the top in future, yeah. could you tell us just an example of, say, two or three of your favourite like, films that you okay, believe my, are genuine? My, because at the moment, okay, you, like, a bit weird. you like Grease 2, Annie, uh, Mermaids. <laughs> I mean. No, look, my favourite, and it's moved up to the top spot because yeah. I watched it again recently, I was like, that is, I think the best film I've made is Don't Look Now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, it's good. And but we've spoken about your love for Vertigo. Um, yeah, and singing in, the rain. singing in the Rain. So you are a musicals fan. It seems to be. Yeah. Whether Rock, you like it Muppet or not. Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. And that's got to go in. <laughs> and that's a weird top three. Dirt, uh, dirty Don't Dancing. Know. I was going to say. Uh, Don't Down Vertigo, Singing in the Rain. That's a, that's the top three, isn't it? Yeah. Two really creepy. Yeah. Films and then. People. Pure delight. Pure delight. Well, so this is from Mermaids. I describe a date with me. <laughs> this is from Mermaids, the film with Cher. Cher? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I says? honestly don't know if it's good or not, but I remember, I think I was 10 when I Bob saw it. Bob Hoskins, I remember. Bob Hoskins yeah. with Ona Ryder, Christina Ricci. Yeah. Seemed to have liked it when I was little. However, at the end of it, they dance around the kitchen to this song, which I now, look, as a, uh, I, I, uh, the message of this song is arguably appalling, but sometimes... It's nice to hear oh. it, really. After everything I've said about Greece and Greece too. <laughs> you want to end on some to pure misogynism. Pure, <laughs> pure, but misogyny with a, with a cracking beat. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I like, there's a funny, I just think it's funny, there's a bit in it, I suppose I'd have to spoil it, but where the sort of chat... I'm not sure people are rushing out to see Mermaid, so don't worry. <laughs> well, no, I mean in this song. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the song I is, can't believe that you're actually doing a spoiler alert <laughs> for a song. I've we'll just listen out for, there's a bit... The song is, shall yeah. I say it? Yeah. The song is, if you want to be happy, mm. and the line is, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. And the, the, the thinking behind this philosopher is, if you, if you marry an ugly woman, A, she'll be grateful, and B, she'll cook a lot. And there's a moment where And possibly friends, see other people won't constantly try yeah, and hit on no one will try and have sex with and, and he says to his friend I saw your wife she's ugly and he goes yeah sure she's ugly but she sure can cook and the other guy goes okay brother <laughs> wow that's a great chat wow that's a great chat to have in this song that um, can I just I'd just like to say as the host of this show that I do not approve of the message of this song can I say as well yeah. I also do not approve and what I like about the song it's in Mermaids which is very much a, a, a female empowerment film yeah well, there you have it. Thank you very much for messages. listening. Brett, thank you for coming and <laughs> with all your deep me. messages in musicals and light, frothy films. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank See you, you soon. very much. Thanks. Hey, 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 hey.
This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details.